Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Jeff Bedoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in KC and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, uh, we're joined by Nate Taylor of The Athletic. Uh, Nate, thanks so much for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me again. It's uh, it's good to hear you guys and talk to you all uh, about, you know, an interesting offseason for the Chiefs, you know, just before uh, the 2021 draft, which is still weird to say 2021 altogether. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, Nate, I think, you know, the Chiefs have been well, let me ask you this. What grade would you give them so far? I mean, I know we're still pre-draft. I mean, is there a grade that you might give them for what they've done, the holes they've filled, and what they've been able to accomplish so far? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think the grade I would give them right now would probably be a C+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I guess, and this is very quick <laughs> off the top of my Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah which, I, which I love. But I think the Grady system for Chiefs fans should be what the team did last year. And it's just, it's impossible. Like, that's an A, A minus if you have, like, a little bit of a discrepancy about how much the team paid Chris Jones or how much money they gave Patrick Mahomes up front in the upcoming 10-year contract extension. But as I wrote in The Athletic last year, they had a flawless offseason. They even got an extension done with Travis Kelsey when really that wasn't, you know, necessarily a top priority. So, uh, if that's an A, I think right now they're at a C plus. They have fulfilled some holes. Mm-hmm. There's a chance for them, I think, as a teacher, you know, much like all of us in middle school <laughs> and high school would say, hey, young fella, young lady, like you got a chance to to up this grade from a C plus to a B before the semester's over. So that's what I would kind of give Chiefs fans a, a mind frame of, of like they have a chance to have a B offseason if the draft goes a certain way in their direction. And obviously those draft picks, um, those prospects become, you know, obviously talented rookies that can contribute right away in the 2021 season. But I would say C plus right now, uh, there are some teams around the league that I would say D. <laughs> so they're not, they're not having a bad offseason, but it's just not. I was thinking about this the other day and I was talking to my wife about this because even she realizes my wife Holly's like, you know, it's not as exciting as it was last year. And it's like, yeah, one reason is because they haven't won a championship. They actually lost the Super Bowl, of course. And then it's not really sexy to talk about Joe Tooney and, and Kyle Long. And, like, <laughs> I mean, Jerry Reed is, like, yeah. the most, you know, yeah. uh, sizzling thing yeah. on, on the stove right now. It, it's so, up to top half a billion dollars <laughs> to Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, that, that's yeah. that's just good. Yeah. yeah, it's like – Hey, we got Chris Jones. You know, we paid Travis Kelsey. Uh, you know, Patrick Post is going to stay here for 10 years, 10 years, right. guys. Like, it's just, like, it's impossible for them to match what they did last offseason. So, I think Chiefs fans should be reasonable. Yeah. Um, but there's a chance for them to have a really nice drive and get a B grade overall when training camp starts. Yeah, like two, two, two mash-em-up linemen and a run-stopper on defense. You're right. Not not real sexy. <laughs> sexy to me as a former lineman. Yeah. yeah. People, <laughs> not, not big sexy, but not real sexy. Yeah, so, people, people – I, I feel like the Chiefs fans are like, well, we score 30 points a game, minus the Super Bowl, obviously. But, like, 
when's, like, when are we going to get somebody who, like, scores touchdowns or, like, somebody who, like, you know, is known for, uh, you know, intercepting the ball or is going to be great in coverage? Like, who are these skill position players? Like, there's so much wonderlust, I think, right now among Chiefs fans that hopefully by November – December, you're like, wow, it was really, it was a really solid move that they got Laurent Duvernay Tardif back, or maybe right. Lucas Yang is someone that you can really count on and, and is as talented as people thought he was in last year's draft. And man, who good thing they got Kyle Long based on what happened last year if they have more injuries on the offensive line. So in the end, the end results should still be good for the Chiefs, but it's just not, it's just not mm-hmm. super like, alluring right now um, if you're a fan because you can look at what other teams are doing and sort of say, oh, well, they have a receiver, they have a running back, or they're going to get a quarterback in the draft. The Chiefs just need to stabilize who they are because they're clearly, I think, the best team in the AFC by far, even before we get to the draft and obviously when everybody's going to play in September. You know, Nate, I, I uh, really like the Jaron Reed signing, though, because what one of the things I like about it, I think Brett Beach kind of thought outside the box. Like the Chiefs clearly need another um, – defensive end and I think they and the, you know they still might sign one draft one but nothing was really readily available at the, the right price so he's like you know what can I do well maybe I could get Jaron Reed and we can play Chris Jones at maybe defensive end on pass rushing downs and this will help our run defense so I actually thought that was a pretty for who's pretty affordable like I thought that was a pretty you know it's not like you said it's Chiefs fans are gonna get super excited about but I thought it was a pretty smart signing. Yeah. I, in some ways, think, I guess in the context of the 2021 season, mm-hmm. that's the best move they've made this offseason. Mm-hmm. And, and I would tend to agree with you, Jeff. Now, they gave the most money to a guard in the history of the league in Joe Tooney, who is consistent, who doesn't miss a game, who can pass protect really well. I guess he can play center, is what Andy Reid said, you know, a couple days ago, uh, if need be. That is the best signing for the long term because obviously they gave him multiple years. But in terms of maybe having a bigger impact on the defensive side of the ball, I, I kind of love Jaron Reed. Um, as Joe mentioned, he's really good at stopping the run, but he's also obviously you know capable of getting to the quarterback and has a couple pass rushing moves that you can say, hey, this guy's a professional when it's third and long. You know he's going to give you something that's going to at least make the quarterback move from his spot or just going to present pressure up the middle. Um, Chris Jones for years has been wanting to show that he is a fully formed defensive player who can both rush from the edge and from the outside, excuse me, from the interior, from the outside. I think in terms of what Reed can provide, I think Chiefs fans should give a little bit of a benefit of the doubt to Steve Spagnuolo just because he's done this before in the past where, whether it was with the Giants or specifically in 2019 when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, hey, let's have a real rotation of six guys at least on the defensive line that we can trust, that we can rotate, create matchups. All of a sudden, if we really need a sack or need to put pressure on the quarterback, you know, the offensive line does not change. But sometimes the defensive line can change to where you can make an impact. I just – I think Jaron Reed, if everything goes well, could be that third pass rusher that the Chiefs, you know, would like to have. It puts less pressure on whoever that person is that they draft – you know, in a couple weeks, I think that rookie can just, hey, develop, get better as the season goes along. We don't need eight sacks from you necessarily, you know, to start your NFL career. So you hope that when you really need it on third down, it's going to be Chris Jones, Frank Clark, of course, Jaron Reed, 
and then maybe either Taco Charlton, who had a pretty good year last year before he got hurt, or this rookie that we sort of assume the Chiefs are going to go take somewhere in the middle to high part of the draft that you could say, hey, these are five guys that we trust, and if they all stay healthy, uh, the defense should be better next year about generating pass rush without having the need for Spagnuolo to play. That's great. great. Great analysis there, Nate. Well, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. And in a little bit here, we're going to talk about the NFL draft, and you can make all kinds of bets about the NFL draft on Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and is free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And we're here with Nate Taylor, who covers the Chiefs for the Athletic. Uh, Nate, I wanted to ask you before we get into the draft stuff. A question: You wrote like a really cool article talking about how the Chiefs offered um, Juju Smith-Schuster, which would have been kind of an exciting signing, actually more money than the Steelers did. I think it was eleven million versus. Uh, Eight million for one year that which he ended up staying with the Steelers. Why? I mean, it seems like you have a chance to catch passes from Mahomes. And I know. Anybody, what, any idea why he he decided to go back to Pittsburgh? Um, there's a couple reasons, and I and I kind of mentioned them briefly in the article. And uh, I want to give a shout out to Mitchell Shorts, who sort of alluded to this on Twitter. Um, and Mitch is one of the smartest guys that I've ever talked to in a locker room. Um, obviously, we hope his recovery process goes well, and maybe we'll see him on the field, uh, hopefully this upcoming season. But I understand if Juju wants to make more money, if he thinks he's going to have a pretty good season with the Steelers, to then go really cash in in the free agency period next year. Um, it, it's so tough because we all know, fellas, if you can go make more money, go make more money. Totally. Yeah. The problem is the season was in the middle of a pandemic. The salary cap, unfortunately, had to go down. And it, it's smart for teams as of right now to sort of offer guys in the middle of their career, unless you're like the top of the top, top free agent, you know, let's offer you a one-year deal and let's reassess collectively mm-hmm. together you know, what we want to do moving forward. And so I think for the Chiefs, they come to Juju and they say, hey, this is a competitive offer. This is more money. If you play well, you can cash balls for Patrick Mahomes. Did you just hear Jeff? Like Patrick Mahomes is a guy that like pretty good. Hey, he's in his prime. Ben Roethlisberger kind of on the back nine, kind of on like the 17th hole. I mean, I I, I know he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but like don't you want to cash pass Patrick Mahomes? So it's a clear – understanding why people would scratch their heads in my immediate my immediate reaction was the same where it was just like I don't care if you don't think you're going to get a thousand yards and maybe there's a more guaranteed chance that Roethlisberger and you have chemistry you already know the playbook yeah. you know that you have a greater chance of getting a thousand yards and then you could present that to various general managers head coaches and free agency next year and say hey can I get a multi-year deal can I really you know be paid what I'm worth if the NFL and the world, as we hope, you know, kind of gets back to normal and the salary cap projects to go higher, I can get more of my true value uh, moving forward next year, whether that's with the Steelers, the Chiefs, or somebody else. But for one year, if you're ever going to be this sort of mercenary 
you know, can you play to the best of your ability in a new situation, which could also benefit whatever new team you want to present yourself to in the following year? I'm sure these are conversations that Juju and his agent had. It would be awesome if, you know, Patrick Mahomes goes to one read and like Tyreek Hill's double team and you look to the secondary. Oh, Travis Kelsey's kind of in a one-on-one matchup, but man, Juju's wide open because, you know, you would be the third guy who could really benefit playing alongside stars. I would have loved it for Juju. He would have been really fun to cover because he's a um, magnanimous uh, personality, you know, in the locker room and on the field. But if he wants to be loyal to Pittsburgh, if he feels like he's comfortable with Mike Tomlin and what they're going to try to do to sort of salvage their chances to continue to be AFC North champs, I get it. Um, but it's a gamble on both sides. I just think he felt more comfortable that I don't have to learn a new offense. I don't have to be the third banana. Although I may have a better chance to have postseason success in January, which should obviously be important for players. I think Juju feels like I can make more money if I just continue to be who I've been with Steelers versus the chances of going elsewhere and not performing to the ability that he has shown previously in his career. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and the Lombardi trophy that Andy – uh, Reed texted him wasn't enough, I guess. So he wasn't really thinking about the offseason, I guess. But it, it, it does show quite a bit about who you are on both sides of the pendulum, right? Yeah. Like the Chiefs can say, we'll match Pittsburgh's offer. And then if you play really well, you'll make more money. And I think part of the incentives, and I haven't really asked, you know, exactly what the details were because Juju's not with the team. But my assumption is, and Brett Beach has done this in the past as general manager of the Chiefs, where half of those incentives are postseason based because a team just assumes they're going to win the AFC West. They're going to have a home field playoff game at least. And hey, if you play well in the AFC championship, if you get to the Super Bowl, you get this much amount of money. That was the structure. That was the incentives for Sammy Watkins last year. So much of what Sammy Watkins needed to do was statistics in the regular season and then have, you know, real impact in the team getting back to the AFC championship game or the team winning the Super Bowl. So, um, it does show you kind of what is most important to Juju as much as it is to how much the Chiefs were willing to negotiate for a player that they clearly wanted to have but felt they didn't have to go, you know, to the ends of the earth to acquire. But what's also weird a uh, little bit about it is that he clearly would have been the third uh, receiver in, in Kansas City. But, you know, Pittsburgh still, you know, they don't have Tyreek Hill and Kelsey. But they've got a pretty loaded – uh, receiving core with uh, James Washington, Deontay Johnson, and Chase Claypool. It's not, you know, so I think his numbers actually in Kansas City catching pass from a homeless might have even been uh, uh, better. So just kind of an interesting deal there. Yeah, and just think, like, if I was, you know, representing the Chiefs or if I was someone in those, you know, conference calls, I would have said, hey, yards after the catch, man, because you're going to be open. <laughs> yeah. I don't, you may not get the same amount of receptions because Ben likes to throw the ball short. It's more of a timing, quick system offense where the Chiefs obviously like to extend the ball into the intermediate and deep part of the field. But, hey, if you're in one-on-one matchups and you catch the ball, maybe there's all these yak yards for you to get. And so, again, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting case because you can make an argument for both sides and no matter which side you choose, you could ultimately be right just because um, I love Chase Claypool. I think he's going to be a really, really good football player. I liked him last year out of the draft. He had a great start with the Steelers. So, hey, maybe there's – maybe you're right, Jeff. Maybe there's a chance where 
even his numbers in Pittsburgh go down because you see emerging players who are younger and are going to have more opportunity moving forward in their career versus a guy who's on a one-year deal and everybody kind of knows he wants to make as much money possible, you know, for his worth when he gets on the market next season. Uh, well, moving into the draft a little bit here, what, what, who do you see maybe the Chiefs taking or are the Chiefs even going to take somebody at 31? You know, Brett Veach is pretty aggressive. Do you think they're actually going to pick there or do you think they trade up or trade down? Brett Veach, in the history of being the Chiefs general manager, has never <laughs> traded down. Like, it's just, <laughs> it just doesn't happen. I'm waiting for it. Um, I don't know if now is the time. Um, one of the most interesting things, fellas, you know, I asked Patrick Mahomes on Monday, obviously this is like 10 days from the draft. Hey man, last year they texted you about who do you want to take at 32? And you texted that, Hey, you really thought Clyde Edwards Alaire was a great option. The chiefs listened to their, you know, future hall of fame quarterback and got him the player he wanted. Um, if there's a prospect at 25 who's still available and Mahomes has already sort of given his blessing, if Andy Reid feels like that prospect can help them in the immediate future, particularly the left tackle spot, then yeah, I can I can see the possibility of them trading up. Um, in some ways, I think Clark Hunt, the owner of the Chiefs, will like for the Chiefs to probably stay pat. Let's not trade future picks to go up for a player. Uh, so that's going to be a fun discussion on draft night. I think they should take a tackle. The prospect that I will tell people from now until the day of the draft, I have fallen in love with Tevin Jenkins, the tackle from Oklahoma State. He is very good. He is very big. He is a bully in, in run blocking. Um, <laughs> he's athletic enough that I think he can slide from the right side to the left side if need be. Um, I, that's, who I've, that's who I say that you should, should take. That's who I put in my you know, most recent mock draft on the athletic they can still take a pass rusher, obviously, that you mentioned earlier, Jeff. There's a chance that some people now are sort of suggesting that, hey, maybe cornerback, because that position may not be as much of a priority for teams ahead of them in the first round, that maybe there's real talent that's going to be available at 32. I would say keep it simple. Uh, the whole season comes down to protecting Patrick Mahomes. Just go get the best tackle available, mm-hmm. whether it's Tevin Jenkins or somebody else, if he's gone by, you know, pick 31. Yeah, I mean, I guess the hope is that, you know, he could be a Tristan Wirfs, right? I mean, we, 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 Jeff and I have talked a lot about this, Nate, and we've talked about the maturity of the offensive line position, how we don't know the actual data on this, and we haven't really done enough research to make probably even a credible, uh, have a credible discussion about it. But in my opinion, in our opinions, we feel like the offensive line probably has the longest, the you know, the steepest learning curve, you know, flattest learning curve, I should say, as far as being able to make a, an immediate impact, you know, like that Tristan works from last year. He's the one that just mm-hmm. sticks into my head as somebody yeah. who really walked right in and was just, he looked, you know, like a, a, a mature all pro day one. Um, that's really hard to come by, I think, in the NFL, especially with the speed, size, agility, strength of the defensive yeah. players that you're playing against these days. They've just completely outgrown the pads, um, so to speak. And, and so we, you know, Jeff and I have been kicking around this idea if they're going to go for an impact player may in that, in that 30 something pick that maybe it has to be somebody who, you know, is a, a receiver type or a running back like a Clyde Edwards Lair who really college NFL, the transition is just a little bit smaller uh, and a little bit shorter. Do, do you think, do you think he's somebody, do you think there's a tackle out there that can make that? Do you think he's the one? 
Yeah, I, I would say for, you know, and, I, and I'm not a draft expert. I tend to lean yeah. on guys, you know, who obviously do a lot of homework, do a lot of research on these prospects. You kind of, you know, read people that you would trust, you know, and how they sort of project these guys out and what their big board is in terms of rankings. I think Tevin Jenkins is the highest player they could go get. You know, I, I really like Liam Eckenberg from Notre Dame just because – he's been a starter at left tackle for Notre Dame for multiple seasons. And that can maybe help shorten the gap in terms of, can you be ready on day one? And that's, that's tough to ask anybody. Right. I mean, I watched in training camp without preseason, of course, and who knows if that's going to happen this upcoming year, but I watched Clyde Edwards Alaire struggle in training camp just because this is the NFL. This is like the SEC may be considered, you know, the most pro ready conference among prospects, but Dude, these guys in the NFL are really fast. Like, they're really strong. Like, you got to protect Patrick. And every time a blitz would come, Clyde would be kind of, like, overwhelmed. And it's just like, hey, this is this is a real learning curve. So yeah. when you need an offensive tackle to protect the biggest, most important asset, person, player in the history of the Chiefs organization in Mahomes, that's a lot to ask. And so one fact that I would put on this is if they do go tackle – and again, we all assume that that's probably the wisest thing you can do if you feel like you can get somebody who may be close to being ready on day one. It's now incumbent on Andy Reid, the head coach, Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator, Andy Heck, the offensive line coach, and Patrick Mahomes. These are four individuals who need to treat this person like a newborn child where <laughs> you, you got to walk them through every step of the way. Yeah. You got to feed them. You got to bathe them. You got to clothe them. Like, you have to do everything so that that player is as prepared as possible on opening night because you're just protecting the most important player on the team. And, you know, for Mahomes' comfort, and the reason why I sort of suggested what they did last year, I I think it's important because if the quarterback is confident in who his left tackle is, and he just went from Eric Fisher, who was one of the more reliable, strong-minded, like, we'll play through multiple injuries. You know, there's a lot of trust there when I drop back as a quarterback when I know Eric Fisher isn't going to be a liability. He's going to stand up and give me his all. Um, Whoever Mahomes feels comfortable with, I think you have to give real credence to that player. And then if you are able to get that player, again, you you just have to prepare that guy for opening day because, you know, Joey Bosa exists, y'all. Like – Nick Bosa exists. Uh, you know, there, there are so many, like, no matter who they see on opening day, that player is better than anybody that prospect has played in college by and large. And so um, if you can scheme around some of their deficiencies, if you can groom them as they play, that would be the perfect scenario. But it's up to those four people, no matter who the Chiefs pick for their tackle, um, it's up to them just as much as it is to that player, whoever starts at left tackle on opening day, to succeed. Because I think you need the you need the support around that player to give them the confidence to go out there and compete at a high level. Wow, that's awesome analysis. That's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I thought about this for two months because you just watched <laughs> you just watched the Super Bowl, Joe, and I've had to rewatch it, and you just go by about the second quarter. And I mean, this is this is this is not fair to Mike Rimmers. He's not supposed yeah. to be a left tackle. Yeah. This is not fair to Andrew Wiley. 
But psychologically, the quarterback knows who his tackles are. He just does. And so it's just natural, no matter how great you are, it's natural for Patrick Mahomes to kind of escape the pocket or not be as sound with his footwork or his principles just because, oh, my God, they're coming for me in two seconds or less, and that's not normal. Yeah. Nate's been reading our diaries, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly. Clearly. Um, Well, you know, I always have trouble – finding the right sunglasses. But it's time to make your outdoor experience better with Canon. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code KananCast15 at Kanan.com to receive 15% off on your first pair, that's Canon Cast 15, and it's spelled K A E N O N C A S T 1 5. Canon, clearly better. Uh, Joe, Nate projected uh, Tevin Jenkins uh, in the first round of the Chiefs in his article, and I actually talked to one of his colleagues uh, with the Athletic, Dane Brugler, about him. And Joe, you would love this guy. He's 6'6. 317, runs the 40 under five seconds. This is Brugler's quote. If there's a kill shot, he'll take it. He's really good at showing that nasty temperament you want to see at the position. Joe, you would love this guy. I, I, it's funny you should say that, Jeff, because I did actually reach out to uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, there was a defensive assistant there that I coached in high school. Uh, when I was coaching high school football, who has now gone on to, to take a defensive coordinator's job at a Division I AA school. And I, we talked about him because, you know, he's, he called me. He's, he still calls me Coach B. He's like, Coach B, he goes, you, you can't believe this kid. I mean, this, this, is, this, is a, this is the real deal. He said he's definitely the best offensive lineman that he has seen since he had been at Oklahoma State for several years. Um, so, yeah, I've gotten a little bit of inside information too there, Jeff. He, he is the real deal. And, you know, my – wish and my crossing my toes and my fingers and I've got four leaf clovers I found outside when I cut the lawn is that you know that he is around you know when the Chiefs or or if it's somebody that maybe Brett Beach has such a desire to get maybe maybe they do trade up and and find a way to get somebody like that because it it is like the more we've been thinking about this Jeff right the more we've gone down this road we know where where that we, we know where we lost the Super Bowl and I'm not saying it was the guys up front that lost the Super Bowl they're great guys are all dedicated teammates. I mean, you, you look at up and down that offensive line and that whole offense, nobody wanted to lose that game, obviously. Right. And, and they didn't do it for lack of effort. They were just put in an ungodly situation. You know, to, to the, the shifting that was going on there was, was really not fair. And I think, Nate, you kind of alluded to that. Um, and I think um, it, the more I think about it, I really do feel like it is the position they have to shore up somehow by hook or by crook. They've got to get that position because they've got the Jeff and I've talked about this, Nate, they've got the interior short up. Yeah. You know, they're really solid in there. They've got, there's actually going to be competition in there mm-hmm. for yeah. like between real starters. I mean, this isn't just like, Oh, uh, this is, this is a guy that we got that we want to compete for the position. There is going to be a real competition that I think there's, there's four or five guys on the inside there that can start anywhere in the league, anywhere. Um, and, and so I'm, I think we're really solid on that, but you, Nate, you've, you've put me over the edge, sold me. You don't have to tell me one more time about how important it's going to be for Patrick Mahomes to have some bookends. 
going into the season. And, and I'm, I'm, I am really, Jeff, I think you thought, or we thought and we had talked about, I was kind of thinking about that big tall. And I, I keep using the term, the Randy Moss type receiver or the Terrell Owens type receiver, big, tall back shoulder passes, jump up, mm-hmm. get the, you know, get the flag routes, the corner routes, do all that stuff. Who's still fast. I'm, I'm kind of shifting away from that right now, knowing the weapons that they have and what they can do with Patrick. And I'm really moving to that offensive line and, and finishing up that tackle spot. And you've, you've put the nail in for me, Nate. I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready. I'm ready for draft day to see what they can do to get somebody like that. A good point that, you know, tackle is, is that need, but wide receiver is another, we've talked about defensive line. We've talked to obviously about offensive line receiver. Is that, is that something that definitely you think got a target in the draft? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And, um, I'm actually going to go in the opposite direction, Joe, although I, I understand why for a couple of years now, you can say the Chiefs needed a bigger body target for Patrick Mahomes, maybe on short yardage, like you mentioned, obviously back shoulder, corner routes, uh, the ability to sort of give you mismatches along Travis Kelsey, because obviously he's big and strong playing from the tight end position. But the more I look at this draft and the more I listen to people, uh, this is an Andy Reid special, which is small, fast dudes. I mean, this is this is a draft where I look at like five prospects. And I want to name them all right now. Um, but I look at them and I go, okay, what's their 40 time? Not that that's like the end all be all, but it's like, okay, this is you running in a straight line. Ooh, four, four. Okay. Um, how tall is he? He's, he's, he's lower than six feet. Um, can he do shifty things like make people miss in the open field? Can he be a little gadgety from Jeff? You no know, jet sweeps, you know, in the rounds. Uh, there's, there's some guys that maybe in like, I don't know if it's the third or fourth round, depending on who you ask, but there are some short, quick, twitch, wide receivers mm-hmm. who Andy Reid has always loved. There is, it's true. you know, Anthony Thomas, you know, obviously they still have McCole Hartman and he needs to develop, you know, as a more well-rounded receiver, especially with Sidney Watkins leaving. But I think receiver is on the, on the list of priorities. Um, the good conversation that I like to ask people is, you know, what do you want more? Do you want another wide receiver or do you want another linebacker? And that tells you, you know, kind of, again, you can go either or. I'm not saying you're right or wrong based on where you are, but some people will say, man, they really need to get a, a linebacker in the second or third round. And there'll be other people that say, um, keep it simple. Patrick Mahomes is throwing the football. Let's get him as many targets. Uh, as many weapons as possible. So, yeah, I would say wide receiver is definitely up there along with linebacker. And obviously, like we mentioned earlier, um, can you get another pass rusher who may be, you know, pretty decent as a rookie, and then obviously he's going to get better as his career moves forward. Well, well said. Well, Nate Taylor uh, from The Athletic joined us today. Nate, thanks so much for sharing your insight. Yeah. It was great this having was awesome. you on. This was great, Nate. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys. It's it's a joy to talk football with you guys all the time. Obviously, I've interviewed Joe for Story on the Athletic before. Uh, I'm sure we'll do it again. But thank you again for having us, fellas. It, it's always a treat. Thanks so much. Well, if you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminaire, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.